Do you long to walk where Jesus walked? Would you like to experience the Bible coming alive in ways you have never imagined before? Then you're invited to join me and my friend and fellow Bible teacher, Carol McLeod, in Israel, April 25th through May 4th. Imagine being baptized in the Jordan River, worshiping at the Garden of Gethsemane, taking communion at the Garden Tomb. You'll take a boat ride across the Sea of Galilee, float in the Dead Sea, and stand at the Mount of Olives. If you would like to ask questions or simply learn more about this trip, text CONNECT NOW to 94090. Signing up for Connection will allow us to answer your questions, include you in our upcoming information meetings, and keep you up to date on the deadlines of the trip. Visit rolva.org for more information. rolva.org to begin your journey. Hey everyone, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donadio, Bible study author, adventure junkie, and founder of Voice of the Voiceless, empowering women in Africa. Join me here every week for inspiring conversations on discovering miracles in life's messy moments. Here's this week's episode. Well, welcome back to the Make Life Matter podcast. I am so excited today to have as my special guest, Jeannie Ortega Law. I just finished her brand new book. And if you are watching this on YouTube, you want to go back out and get it is What is Happening to Me? We're going to talk about this book today and her life story. She's such a powerful life story. And we're going to talk about the ways she has discovered how to overcome the enemy, defeat the enemy, and live in victory. So this is going to be a power-packed half hour. So you're going to want to stay tuned. She is a chart-topping singer. She's a speaker. She's a media personality. She's a journalist. And she's an actress from New York City. So, you know, it's sad that she doesn't have anything to do. We need to, <laughs> we need to wish her something to do. Her TV show, In the Mix, appears on TBN's Salsa Network and 24 Flicks. She tours various venues, including churches, sharing her music and her life-changing testimony. She and her husband, Ren, live in Orlando, Florida, and they lead Most High King Ministries. She's also the author of the brand new book, What is Happening to Me? So welcome, Jeannie. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. It is exhausting hearing everything, right, that I do (laughs) by the grace of God. It's only by the grace of God. Absolutely. I heard a friend once say that we are multi-passionate. I think we'd be bored just doing one thing. And I find that to be the case with a lot of creatives, especially musicians. They do multiple things. Do you, I mean, you probably experienced that as well. Absolutely. My entire life, when I got married, my husband was looking at me like, what are you, a machine? Uh, You know, and that's just, you know, when you're creative and you're used to creating and music has always been my passion. I've always done multiple things and then it came to the Lord and I'm like, well, now I'm going to do multiple things for Christ to promote, you know, the message of hope and, you know, in our, in our God. So (laughs) I love it. And your book does that so powerfully. I cannot wait to just kind of dig into it. You know, we were sharing in the kind of the pre-show as we were chatting, 
This podcast is heard, Jeannie, in over 130 countries. I am so grateful and blessed. And so it has really found its footing in parts of Central and South America. So I just want to invite you to greet our listeners in Spanish. I, I only know a handful of phrases, gracia. And I, I went to Mexico and I got around on Donde Esta Baño. I'm like, where is the bathroom? <laughs> and, and thank you. And, you know, so, and we have a multicultural church that we pastor out here outside of DC. So we have, oh goodness, 40 or 50 different ethnicities. We just hired our worship pastor and his wife are from Puerto Rico. So uh, I wish I need to learn, I need to learn more Spanish, but, um, but yeah, so greet our Spanish speaking listeners who might be listening in other countries or even right here in the United States. Sure. Well, bienvenido a todo que están uh, escuchando y gracias um, por, uh, your time. <laughs> I speak Spanglish. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Just bienvenido Aww. and enjoy. Thank you so much. <laughs> I did a Selena. So I know that you, you started out as a singer. You write about that in the book and, and now you're an author, but let's talk about your journey. I would love to hear your story. Maybe people are finding you for the first time through this podcast today. And, and you've had a really powerful journey in um, into some dark places and then out of those dark places and into the light and now being used so powerfully for the kingdom. So I just want to invite you to share your story with us, Janie, and then we'll just see how the Lord leads us as we're chatting. Sure. Well, I'm from Brooklyn, New York, uh, born and raised, and um, I grew up in a Puerto Rican home, uh, very passionate, fiery, um, and sometimes not in a good way. So, um, you know, I felt like there was uh, a lot of stuff going on inside, and then there was a lot of stuff going on outside. Where I grew up, it was considered the ghetto at the time, and um, just violence and everywhere. Everywhere that I turned, there was violence. And, um, you know, I had an understanding that there was a God. I I was brought up in... um, a religious understanding of God, just kind of how most Latinos are, um, <clears throat> a ritualistic idea of what God, you know, who God is, and you, you go to uh, the traditional kind of church and stuff like that. And um, but really, my family religion what is Santeria, which is um, of the occult, and it's of the Aruba uh, tribe in Africa. It or originates from there and then it went over to Cuba and Cubans combined Catholicism with uh, this form of uh, worshiping of the dead Um, and that's what it was Um, and so I was brought up in that and it was very dark Um, my understanding of spirituality I knew there was a God and that was kind of separate for me, but my understanding of spirituality came from this religion and um, it was dark. I mean, the things that I was exposed to was dark. The things that I was told would happen to me, you know, because in that religion, um, you know, the high priestess, she also moonlit as a gypsy who would tell you your future and things like that. And, you know, (laughs) what she said would happen in my future was not looking bright. I didn't, you know, I would be raped, I would be hit by a car and end up alone at the end of my life. And those are things that were embedded in me as a child. 
Um, that's what I had to look forward to, you know, according to this religion. And who wants to live after that, you know? So for me, uh, what that did is it just created a darkness everywhere. Darkness inside, darkness outside. You know, there's a lot of jealousy in my neighborhood as well. Just It was just everywhere I turned. Uh, spirituality was darkness. Everything was darkness. And um, I wanted to die very early at a very young age. I don't know how that thought was inserted into me. But the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he that's his, his goal and his assignment for all of us. And for me, it started very early. And um, that thought of suicide started to assault, assault me. And I really began to consider it. And I didn't know it at the time, but it was God. Um, he would use music to get my attention. And I was listening to Mariah Carey. It was not Christian. I didn't even know Christian music existed. I really didn't. Mm -hmm. um, and she was just, it was a really sad song talking about her childhood and how lonely she felt and alienated and isolated. And I related with it mm. and I began to weep and it began to minister to my little heart. And as I wept, I, I, re I was relieved. I felt better. Mm. And I thought in that moment, music has power. Music can help people. And I said, I'm going to do that. That's what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to help people with music. So God would use music to take me out of the state of mind of suicide and give me a passion, something to live for. I said, but Mariah Carey can make it out of her darkness, her depression, her sadness as a child. So can I. Mm. It gave me hope. And then I completely became motivated to do music, to do music, to do music. And I was discovered in a New York City taxi cab. That's a true story. Wow. I was singing along to the radio and um, the cab driver was also a limo driver. And when we pulled over, he, he drops us off in front of our house and he's like, look, you're a beautiful young lady. You have a great voice. Do you have a demo? I'll give it to someone. I, I drive around limos. I drive around famous people all the time. Wow. And of course, I'm a New Yorker. I'm like, yes, I got one second, sir. <laughs> Went upstairs, got my little karaoke cassette recording, and I gave it to this guy. And then a couple weeks later, a huge manager called. And she basically said, I, she told my parents, I don't know what possessed me to call you but I had to hear I had to meet this girl you know there was something in my voice that captivated her and that's how I was introduced into the pop industry this girl from the ghetto who had all this darkness surrounding me was now introduced into pop the pop entertainment industry and by the time I was 16 I had a major record deal by the time I was 19 I had a top billboard hit song um well a top billboard album and a top 25 uh billboard hit song i went gold on radio i was touring the country i was opening up for rihanna all these things that people dream of and i thought well surely life would be better i have money now uh i have influence i have fame i have status um but I had totally forgotten that I wanted to help people with my music. I became a product. I started to want to sell all my goods, everything I got. And I forgot I wanted to help people. And it didn't satisfy. 
I found myself at the top of the height of all my dreams, um, still broken, still angry. And sure enough, once you get everything you, you ever dreamed of, if it's not purposed in God, if it doesn't have a purpose that was from him, from the Lord, then you'll find yourself empty. And sure enough, I said, what's the point of this? And suicide tried to come right back in. Wow. And that's when I was introduced to Jesus. So I don't know how far you want me to go, but that's kind of the beginning of my life before um, really converting and my life being transformed. Well, let's talk about your conversion. I've read your whole book. So thank you for sharing that and just being, you know, honest and vulnerable. Your book is such an honest look at your life, but it's not just that. It's also a, a real lifeline to how we can fight our own battles. Maybe you're struggling with suicide today if you're listening or you've had suicidal thoughts. I know the last year has been so difficult and traumatizing for people. Suicide rates are, are elevated, um, right. especially just the thought of suicide is so high among our young adult population. And so the darkness that comes with that, you did find your way out. I know music was initially a lifeline, but talk about how you came to the Lord. And then even after that, Jeannie, it looks like as I was reading your book, there was this kind of um, mixture of you trying to serve the Lord and also still being, you know, wrapped up in the world and maybe just not understanding really what a Christian walk would look like, which all of us can find ourselves there in this process. So share that part of your journey with us. Sure. I mean, you know, God used music to save my life and then music became an idol. Then I, I used it. I put it before God. I put it before the dreams and the vision, uh, the passion that he had given me to help people. It became an idol. And um, so that's why I, I was, I wound up just, you know, going around the mountain again and finding myself in the desert still. Um, and then here I am at the height of everything. And then someone, um, you know, up, there was another big blowout in the house. Um, and I just found myself circling the drain. Uh, I'm just like, you know, I just, I didn't understand. I didn't get it. I didn't understand why money couldn't answer it. You know, uh, there's even a scripture that says money is, can, can answer many things, but money can't answer the God-shaped void that we have in our hearts. And that's what it was for me, but I didn't know that. I didn't even understand that that's what I needed. Um, and then I just, there was something in me and I knew it was the Holy Spirit, you know, he just drawing me to God. But in that moment, I just thought, I need to go to church, but I can't go to the religious church I grew up in. That's not going to help. I, you know, I, I didn't find God there before. I didn't think I would find him there now, but I felt like I needed to go to church. It was so bizarre. Um, and then at the same time, someone invited me to a Christian church, the very time that that was in my heart. Um, a girl that at the time we weren't even getting along. It was a weird thing. It was, I was still in school and be, you know, I was a big superstar and still like trying to do school and all that. And the girl just comes up to me and she's like, do you need to go to church? And I just looked at her like, how do you know that? How do you know that? You know? And she invited me to this Christian church. It was the first time I had ever been to a Christian church. And I walk into this Christian church and I was, it was a predominantly West Indian congregation. So I was probably the only light skinned girl there. And I walked in and I looked around and, and everyone was having like a full out 
Pentecostal, charismatic experience with God. (laughs) They were like praising God out loud and crying and just, you know, welcoming his presence. And I was like, what in the world is going on here? Mm. I had never seen anything like that. Everything that I had ever known about God was ritualistic, Mm. Uh, you know, lighting candles, kneeling and getting up and repeating whatever the, the, you know, the, the leader would say, but nothing like that, that the individuals were talking to God in a group Mm -hmm. setting. It was so weird, but I felt jealous. I felt, you know, I I would like to talk to God that boldly. And then in that moment, um, you know, while I'm there and just kind of like, this is weird. uh, The pastor calls me up to the front and I just like, okay, reluctantly go. I was at my wits end. I, I was planning on running away from my family, just disowning everyone and just, you know, living my life. It was, you know, I was just not in a good place. And Mm. he calls me up and he just walks right by me and he just lays his hand on my shoulder and continues to walk. And in that moment, he must've been praying for me because immediately something happened. I felt the presence of God just enter into my heart in a way that it began to burn. My heart began to burn and I began to weep and weep and weep. It was as if if God had reached down into my heart and and gripped it. Mm. And I began to weep. And it was as if the years and years of trauma, of pain that I had been going through just started to, there was like surgery. It's like surgery began to take place. And I fell to my knees and just started to weep, to weep, to weep, go back to my seat. And I'm like, what just happened? But I knew it was God. I had felt demonic spirits before, you know, growing up in that religion. I had felt, I had felt the, the, the uh, presence of the dead. You know, I knew what that felt like. It was scary. It was always frightening to me. In that moment, though, I said, this is God. I knew it was God. I had never felt that before. I had never felt such love, such hope, such peace, such, such security in one moment. I knew it was God. No one could ever take that from me. I knew it was God. And that's where my journey began. But like you said, I didn't know what being a Christian was. So I just took that and I was like, you can feel God. God is real. And it's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's the one. And I started to become a little, and what I call it in the book is a half naked preacher because I was still acting the way I used to act. But now I wanted to share about this experience that I had. And because I had no discipleship, because, um, you know, I was treated as the street girl that was uh, famous uh, in the church. Uh, so they left, they just let me be. No one actually thought, let me, let's, let me do life with her and help her, uh, just learn, um, God and, and let God transform her. They just kind of let it, let me organically get there. So thank, thankfully for the Holy spirit. Um, but it took me five years of being halfway one foot in one foot out, you know, in the club, gyrating up and down, cursing here and there, doing all my music, my secular music. But then at the end, wanting to share about this incredible love that I now felt. And I kept going to church faithfully. There was, you know, I'm very loyal. And once I felt the presence of God, I wanted to continue to feel that. And I couldn't believe he would even reveal himself to me that way. Mm. So I wanted to continue. And by the grace of God, 
after five years of living a double-minded way, you know, one foot in, one foot out, and just being, um, you know, that half-naked preacher, uh, I finally surrendered my life to Christ. Mm-hmm. And and to be honest, it took God stripping me. There were so many idols. Music was an idol. My friendships were an idol. My, my fiance was an idol. My family was an idol. All these things were before God in my life. And I really needed to be stripped and to really finally see God has a purpose for my life. And what's that? And when I realized that that's when I finally surrendered and submitted to his presence to letting the Holy spirit live in me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now here we are, you know, it's, it's been years since then, but that's kind of that whole conversion journey. It took longer than it should have. <laughs> yeah. But it's so encouraging for people who feel like they're struggling. They have a maybe one step forward and two steps back that, yeah. you know, that let's just keep making progress. And, and it was the Holy spirit that drew you. He draws us into deeper relationship with him. I'm so grateful that he, you know, he um, just wooed you the way that he did yes. and, and demonstrated yeah. his love for you. I, I was sad to read a section in your book, Jeannie, that talked about even the the judgment that you experienced in the church, you just mentioned that they didn't really come alongside of you, whether they were intimidated by your fame or, you know, whatever the situation was, they just kind of let you find your way. And then when, while, while you were finding your way, you felt like you went through a very painful experience being judged. Do you want to touch on that for just a minute? Sure. I mean, here I was, I had finally committed myself to Jesus and given my life to him and, you know, started to really live for him. I had laid down the pop superstar life. I knew God had a plan for me. So I wasn't going to continue to pursue that. I had, uh, you know, I told my friends, you know, you're either coming on this journey with me, you know, it's like, you know, you're coming to heaven with me because I'm not going to hell with you. I mean, it was that clear. Um, and I finally had to make that decision. And, um, so I did do that. And, I started to really just commit myself, get into the word and and let God clean me up. I started to deal with my filthy mouth. I started to deal with my perverted ways. I started to deal with my anger, my unforgiveness, my bitterness. Those are the things that gave root to suicide in my life because I had so much unforgiveness, so much anger, so much resentment. Um, I needed God to invade those areas so that I didn't go down that route of suicide um, and in all these other things. So I'm here. I'm in like, I'm in glory with the Lord. God is doing this incredible thing. I'm hearing from him. I'm having visions. I'm my, my heart is just expanding and growing and growing. I'm becoming a new creation in Christ, everything that we're called to do. And then, um, I get accused by the church. Um, there was jealousy in the leadership and I started to really just be genuine with my walk and come forth and the enemy just wanted to break my spirit. And what he did is he used, um, the people that I naively thought would never do anything wrong. You know, I was so naive. I thought, I thought, uh, leaders in church were like right here and God was right here. (laughs) I thought that was, I I didn't realize we're all here and God is way up here. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I I esteemed these people way too close to God. So everything they said about me or they thought about me, I felt like it was God. 
And that's where I was wrong. And I talk about that in the book. You know, I talk about how leadership, you know, should properly uh, lead their people. And I also talk about how people should properly be in a church setting because sometimes we do get confused. And I was so naive that I did. And so I allowed their accusations against me, the evil that they spoke of me to break my spirit. It was the most devastating thing that ever happened to me. I, I was so ashamed writing it in the book. I said, I couldn't believe, you know, I, I, it, was, it was hard for me. And, and the Lord helped me through it um, after writing the book. But I was so ashamed that I allowed, I had been through suicide. I had been through violence. I had been through sexual assault. I had been through pop you know, the pop industry and survived all of that. And I allowed people in the men in the church to break my spirit because of what they said about me. And, um, you know, and a lot of people go through church hurt. Many people go through church hurt, but I also think that we go through church hurt in a, such a severe way because we tend to esteem people of God a little bit too high. We're all human. We're all working out our own salvation in Christ. Um, And, you know, that to me is really what we need to have a a sober thought about what ministry looks like. We're human. We're people trying to work out our, our salvation. And when accusations and stuff come our way, you know, we have to know our identity in Christ and know what God says about us. And that's what helped me ultimately, because I would have backslid. Had I not had my own relationship with God, Mm -hmm. had I not been touched by God and ministered to by God the way I had, had I not had this incredible love affair with him, I would have backslid because I had never been treated this way in the world. Oh, that's so disappointing. I mean, as a pastor's wife, Jeannie, it breaks my heart to hear that. And yet I know you're not, that's not a unique story, sadly. And I love the fact that you push through, you release that bitterness and the disappointment. You didn't let that you know, keep you from a relationship with God. You separated the flaws of people from the goodness of who God was and you stayed loyal and faithful to him. And now I know God is using you in so many different ways. You also talk about in the book, some ways that you have seen the power of defeating the enemy of living in victory. I would love for you to just share one of those insights for some of those that are listening to your story and thinking, wow, some of this is resonating so deeply with me. How can I move from this place of either kind of compromise with the world, the half-naked creature, as you call it? I love that expression. (laughs) Uh, This is just a great way of describing what you're trying to say and really move to a place of total dependency on God. What was something that helped you to live in victory, defeat the enemy that we can implement in our own lives? So for me, it was definitely the presence of God you know, being like having a true one-on-one relationship with him, a moment by moment relationship, not just a church relationship, not just, you know, a religious thing. It was really doing life with God moment by moment, seeking him, knowing he was here, hearing from him, being close to him. Um, Because when we're close to God, you know, I look at it like this, I'm going to use for those that are watching, you'll see it. But when God is so close, right? All you can see is him. You know, the further away we are from God, he's further in the distance. So you can see everything else around. 
And I really think closeness to God does make the difference initially, you know, and then God does give us tools. He tells us to put on the full armor of Christ. He tells us to put on our armor because he knows that the enemy is going to come with his little fiery darts to try to create doubt, to try to rob us of our faith, to try to tell us, you know, uh, that we're, you know, this and we're that. And, you know, the the spiritual armor is so important. So I, I break that down in the book. But I also talk about our spiritual senses, opening your spiritual eyes, your spiritual ears, um, you know, having the mind of Christ, which I, I kind of name as the sixth sense, you know, you need to be able to have these things activated. Um, knowing that what we see in the natural, there's more than that. There's a very spiritual realm. Don't take everything at face value. When life is going hard, when things, when all matter of evil comes against you and you feel darkness surrounded, surrounding you, don't just take it at face value. Well, it is what it is. This is just life here on earth. No, there's a very real enemy of your soul that's trying to rob you of your purpose, mm-hmm. trying to uh, short change and short circuit the call on your life. But God... There is light in the darkness there. He does give us what we need to overcome the enemy. And that's what we need to be able to be discerning when these attacks come. And, you know, I said this in, in, in another recent interview, but, you know, usually the areas that we're most attacking, attacked in are the areas we're supposed to walk towards. Because why would we be so attacked? It's a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Yeah. Writing this book was one of the hard, I mean, I've done so many crazy things in my life. I've released three albums. I've, you know, I've, I've released television shows. I've toured. I've done a lot of scary, frightening things, but I was never, never attacked with fear the way I was from writing this book. Wow. I am not even a fearful person. I'm a girl from the ghetto in New York. <laughs> you know, I'm not fearful at all. Yeah. When you survive that, when you survive that, you feel like, you know, and I was, I was attacked with so much fear before writing this book. And then God was so good. And this is what he does for us all. He's no respecter of person. He sent me, he sent someone, he sent a prophet, a random stranger Mm. to share a vision that he had of me writing and me ripping the pages out of the book, throwing them on the floor because I I was too afraid. I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel qualified to do this. And he said, every time you ripped that paper and threw it on the floor, somebody from outside came in, picked it up, unraveled your paper and began to read it and weep and weep. And in that moment, that's, that was God. That was the light coming into all the darkness of fear that had come into my life, telling me, you're not writing this book for you. You're writing it for them. And those are the things we have to hold on to. So if you're struggling with darkness, if you feel it's surrounded, if you feel oppressed, if you feel, you know, just all of this weight on you, you have to hold on because God sends, I, I talk about it in the book, the seeds of light. There are, there is light. God is always present. But sometimes it's so loud. Sometimes the the enemy is so loud that we listen to that big, noisy, annoying enemy more than our God. Let's look for those those moments where we know God is moving, the the seeds of light, because he's always there. So good. So good. And if you're watching, I'm actually wearing a necklace today, and it has a mustard seed in the necklace. And it's just a reminder that even small faith can do, it's, it's not about our faith, it's about who our faith is in and looking for those seeds of light that he is sowing. And the fact that 
you know, sometimes a seed has to be planted into the dirt all the time in order for it to grow and produce the harvest. And, and that's a dark place. And you've really come out of that dark place. Now you've been planted spiritually and the soil that God has you planted in and what's coming out of you is, is, is miraculous. And your story is miraculous is what is happening to me. It's a brand new book. It's powerful. Um, how to defeat your unseen enemy is the tagline. So I want to make sure people know how to get it. Jeannie, how can they find you, um, you know, your website, your social media, and how can they get a copy of your, of your brand new book? Well, on my website, genieo.com, genieo.com. You can connect with all my social media there, Jeannie Ortega. Um, You know, if you just want to at Jeannie Ortega, that's my social media handles, but uh, genieo.com. And you can message me directly there. You can get autographed copies there. You can get the link to Amazon there. The book is everywhere books are sold. And I'm still kind of mind blown. Oh my gosh, I'm so grateful. Um, God is so good. And I just, I really want people to get the book not for anything not for notoriety none of that because none of that satisfies none of that really matters I just want people to have the tools I don't want people to continue to get run over by the enemy Mm -hmm. I want them to have the tools I want them to to know that greater is God in them than he that's in the world than these attacks these things that happen in the world greater is God in you if you can really just hold on to that then you will walk in victory in divine victory and that's really what I want that's what God promises us so I don't know about you but I feel like if God gives me a promise, then I'm going to hold him to that promise. And I'm going to hold on to that promise. I'm going to live in that promise. And God does give us the promise that we have authority over the enemy on this earth. He tells us that we are more than conquerors in him, Christ Jesus, who gives us strength. So for us to be walking around defeated, you know, life is not going to be easy. Don't get me wrong, but to walk around defeated, to walk around like you don't have a savior, like you don't have the victory. There's something wrong in that. And we're giving too much glory to the darkness and we can't. Mm, that's so good, Jeannie. Boy, you could preach all day I, and I could listen all day. <laughs> it's powerful. She's dynamite and her book is written the way she talks. So you're going to want to get a copy of it. Uh, Jeannie, I'd love to ask one more fun question before I ask you to pray over our listeners. I say it's fun. I just feel like it's insightful because it helps me to know a little bit more about you and might encourage some of our listeners today of of who you in the Bible have maybe um, who's resonated with you. So I would love to know when you get to heaven, other than Jesus, who would you like to meet? And is there something that you would like to ask that person, man or woman? So someone in the Bible? Yeah, that I'd like to meet. Um, it's rough because there's so many. There's multiple people. (laughs) Um, you know what? It might be Paul. It's interesting. I didn't think that. I thought initially maybe an Old Testament somebody like David or Joseph, who I love so much. But um, I think it's Paul because Paul, you know. He went up against the odds. I think we're in a time where, uh, you know, it's going to continue to not be popular to talk about Jesus. And Paul, he even went, you know, beyond his own brethren, (laughs) you know, the own, you know, some of Jesus's own followers who thought that the gospel message was only for one type of people. Mm. And he defied the odds and he followed the, the, the leading of the Lord. 
and he's the reason why me, a Gentile, because I'd be considered a Gentile, even has access to the incredible love of Christ and knows that that's for me as well, that I'm grafted into that beautiful tree. Um, so I would want to talk to him and just, I would want to ask about his boldness and ask about, I'm sure he felt lonely. I'm sure, you know, this, this, like you're, you're a pastor's wife and I'm a pastor's wife and you know, being a leader can be very lonely. Yeah. And, um, I would like to just ask him how he was able to get through and, and, and keep Mm -hmm. going regardless. Wow. Powerful. Yeah. That is a timely word for our generation, isn't it? And you're a a voice, a much needed voice in our generation, Jeannie. So thank you. The Lord gave you a voice. The enemy tried to use your voice, but your voice is being used and channeled for the glory of God now. And so we, we just pray so much favor and blessing over you in this new season of your life and your ministry, your book, your, your TV show, everything that God, the multi-passions that God has given you (laughs) and the seeds of light that you are sowing for the kingdom of God. We thank you. So I'm going to invite you to just pray over our listeners today, especially anyone who may be finding themselves in a dark place that God would lift them up out of that and they would encounter the love of God in the same way that you experience. If you're listening and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, maybe you know of Jeannie, you know about her pop fame status and you just kind of stumbled onto this. I know she would not want us to end this conversation without you saying, yes, Jesus, I want the same love present in my life. I want to know the presence of God that drives out darkness and grounds me in his purpose and his love. So we invite you to just experience his love today. So thank you so much, Jeannie, for lending your voice to the podcast. And I'd love for you to pray over our listeners. Sure. Thank you for having me. Lord, we are so honored, God, that we can come together in full faith, knowing that you are with us, Lord. You are so wonderful. You're so mighty. You're all powerful. And still you call us yours. That is just such a beautiful revelation, God, that every single one of us, you love us with an everlasting love, Lord, that you know every hair that's on our head, that you catch every tear that comes out from our emotions, Lord God. I thank you, Jesus, that today, God, you're ministering to people. You're starting to burn in the hearts of others, God, and drawing them to yourself the way you drew me to you, God. I thank you, Lord, that in you, God, there's wholeness. In you, there's fulfillment. In you, God, is where purpose truly lives. So, God, I pray that as you draw your people closer to you, God, that you would transform their lives, Lord, that you would give them beauty for ashes, God, that everything the enemy meant for evil, God, that you would work it for good, God, because in you, God, you work all things for good, Lord. So I thank you that you're starting to do that for the people that are opening their hearts to you, God. And I thank you that you are drawing all men unto yourself. Lord, I pray that you would help us to know that greater is you in us than the attacks in this world, God. I thank you, God, that you are going to start helping people learn how to war in your spirit, God. Your word says if we resist the enemy, he has to flee. So, God, I pray that you would uh, cause your people to resist that enemy, to resist the darkness, not to embrace every attack that comes their way, but to resist it in your name, Jesus, and to embrace you instead, God, to embrace you 
you, God, for in you, there's fullness of life. There's everything we could ever want, God, in you, Lord. So I thank you that the spirit of suicide is resisted today. I thank you that the spirit of depression, I thank you that false identities are are being removed, God. I thank you that the trauma that we've been through is not defining us, God. I thank you, Lord, that you're in the mix of it, Lord God, that you're uh, pulling down strongholds and and, and breaking idols, God, and, and just causing room for our hearts and our lives to be committed and devoted to you, God. So I pray, Lord, that we would just cling to you, God, that everyone listening would just run to you, that you'd be so close, God, that we won't be able to hear or see the noises of this world and just be Lord, be King, be master, be ruler of our lives. Because in you, God, the very breath that we breathe is yours. In you, God, only you satisfy only you satisfy. So satisfy the heart, satisfy your people with yourself, with your presence. And thank you, Lord, that you have a great purpose for everyone here and help us to just continue to walk forth in your divine victory in the mighty matchless name of Jesus, Yeshua, Hamashiach, our Messiah. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining our conversation. Season 2 is sponsored in part by Worley Dahlberg Yao PLLC. You can learn more about this award-winning law firm at lawfirmvirginia.com. I'd love to stay connected, so be sure to visit angeladonadio.com for books, free goodies, and opportunities to feature your ministry or business as a sponsor. Find me on Facebook at Angela Donadio VOV and Instagram at Angela Donadio, where we do podcast giveaways each month. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Until next week, let's make life matter.